0: Released on Sunday, August 3rd, 2014, This Agile Life, Episode 58, Splitting, Slicing, and Breaking Down Stories. The software industry transforms more and more every day. Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones. The question is, are you agile enough? This podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on This Agile Life. Hello, everyone. I'm the host of This Agile Life, John Sextro. I'm going to be soloing this episode of This Agile Life. I'm also going to be trying something a little different for this show. After I finish recording this and releasing it as a podcast, I'm also going to turn this into a screencast, something that I will upload to YouTube and link to in our show notes. And this podcast and... The accompanying video cast, screencast that I create from this podcast, I hope and encourage you to use as a bit of training with your teams or instructional video for your teams. Something that you can share, something that you can pass along to your friends and co-workers, other people in your organization and company, maybe other people that you meet with in the community of software developers. And this particular topic that I'm going to discuss today is story splitting, what you might also refer to as story slicing or breaking down stories. And that's going to be the topic, the focus of the podcast today. As I said, I'm going to be doing this on my own. And before I get started on the topic of splitting, slicing, breaking down stories, I want to first. Apologize to the listening audience for not releasing an episode of This Agile Life last week. I have to admit that in the past three weeks, I have not been following my own advice that I've given many times on this show, and that advice was to work a sustainable pace. I have definitely been working many more hours than what we would consider truly a sustainable pace. And as a result, I was unable to get the other co-hosts for this show organized in a timely manner so that we could release an episode for you last week. I have now started to return back to my normal course, to my regular sustainable pace at work, and I'm very happy to be returning to that sustainable pace. And as a result, I'm able to record and release this podcast this week and I have the other hosts lined up to record a podcast for the next week and hopefully we will at that point then be back on our regular cadence of releasing good content talking about agile software development and lean software development here on This Agile Life on a weekly basis. Okay, so I'm going to launch into my discussion about story splitting, story slicing, and breaking down stories. I arrived at this topic uh, about a month ago. There was a conversation that was happening on Twitter with some folks and the hosts of This Agile Life. And there was a suggestion and a question actually first about how to conduct a planning poker session. And one of the suggestions that came back was, how about trying a story-splitting, story-slicing, story-breaking-down session rather than doing planning poker? When we received that recommendation from one of the listeners to try a story-slicing session, it didn't seem like an appropriate response maybe to the question of how to conduct a planning poker session. But when you start to think more about that suggestion of story slicing, I think you'll start to see why that that's a good suggestion. This conversation went on between the hosts of This Agile Life and Neil Killick and Ari Tanninen. I hope I've said your names right, guys. You can find Neil on Twitter, at Neil underscore Killick, and at Ari Tanninen. Those are hard names to spell, so I'll be sure to include a link to their Twitter profiles in our show notes. Story slicing, story splitting, and the act of breaking down stories may very well be one of the most critical factors to success on agile teams. What I have seen in the teams that I've coached in the past is that one of the things that they sincerely struggle with is having stories that are small enough, and when I say small enough, I mean that can be turned over in a regular cadence, maybe every half day to a day or less, ideally. I know Amos likes to have stories that are very small, that can hopefully be done in an hour to two hours. I like to shoot for stories that are just a predictable size, and something that is less than two or three days long. My ideal story would take approximately half of a day to complete. If you can break all of your stories down to a consistent size, it makes the need for estimation nearly non-existent. If all of your stories are always approximately the same size, then you just can assume and use that number that half-day number, as your baseline for how long it's going to take you to accomplish anything. And if you always strive in your planning sessions to break your stories down to that small enough size, then the act of actually having to do planning poker is a moot point. You don't need to do it. You will simply take your half-day story size and apply it to all of your stories regardless of what you might think it should be because you know that your velocity to date on the project has been that your stories average out to being half a day long, maybe a day long. Once you've got that down, now you can see why story slicing can be a replacement to conducting a planning poker session because you've eliminated the need for doing planning poker by having all of your stories broken down to the smallest that they can possibly be, making it unnecessary to do estimation and to holding a planning poker session. Where that leaves us is the act of breaking the stories down. This, again, is what I have seen with teams, is quite difficult for them to arrive at a, at a consistent way and a repeatable way for them to break stories down. A team will usually struggle initially with breaking stories down in a way that makes sense to them and for them, and in a way that is going to give them the ability to build those stories, develop those stories in an order that will allow them to incrementally deliver value to their users and to deliver and release that software on a frequent basis. There's a couple of metaphors that I want to share with you for starters in this conversation. These are metaphors that are not entirely mine. One of them is, a, is one that I've used for many years and was something that I used before I even understood totally or knew totally of the concept of Agile and of uh, breaking stories down. My first metaphor is the toaster versus a spaceship. I used to tell this team that I had all of the time, I don't want them to build a spaceship. I want them to build a toaster. If you have a user that comes to you and says, I would like to be able to take my morning breakfast slices of bread and warm them up in a way that will make them crisp and warm and delicious to eat. What you need is a toaster, not a spaceship. The definition of what a toaster is may differ across the number of people on your team. What I've run into with folks in IT, developers especially, is that the first thing they want to do is build the best possible toaster that they can. Oftentimes, this best possible toaster ends up looking like a spaceship. In my words, it ends up looking like a spaceship because it has so many bells and whistles. It ends up looking like A virtual spaceship, something that you would see on the launch pad. And can that spaceship actually toast a piece of bread? Yes, it can. If I get somebody to stand there with a a big stick and a pair of tongs and stand back far enough and hold the bread at the right angle under the, the thrusters of the spaceship, they will be able to toast that piece of bread. However, we've spent gazillions of dollars to build that spaceship and... It's not purposed correctly. There's all kinds of overhead that we created with that spaceship. There's all sorts of unnecessary development that we did to build that spaceship. And all our users wanted was a simple device to put a couple of slices of bread in, push down a lever, and in a few minutes, get out a couple of nicely toasted pieces of bread. I use that metaphor with teams to get them focused on building the simplest thing that can work. This is a common theme and a common piece of coaching advice that we give to agile teams to do the simplest thing that will work and stop there. Doing the simplest thing and stopping is often quite hard for software developers. We love to twiddle and we love to make things just so and we love to make things just right and we love to add features this is what is referred to in the frederick brooks book the mythical man month as it gold plating it's one of the major one of the major pitfalls that we have to be aware of as leaders of software teams as software developers as members of software development teams, is to always be on vigilant guard for IT gold plating. It's one of the biggest buckets where waste occurs on a team, and it's why clear acceptance criteria are so important on our stories. Clear and meaningful acceptance criteria, tangible acceptance criteria, gives us a clear, visible stop sign on a story that says, Stop. I've built enough. I've built enough of a feature for this toaster that I can stop and call this story done. One of the most important things for a team to do is to be able to work quickly through stories, move them across the board, so that those stories can leave development and enter production or enter your pre-production space where a user can use them, interact with them, and then give you feedback. If we spend all of our time, if we spend 50% of our time on a story twiddling with bits of the feature or perfecting bits of the user interface, that could be time that is not well spent Because we could get feedback that says, I don't like that. It's important to build a quality product, put it out in front of the users, and collect their feedback, and then iterate on that feedback. That is my toaster versus the space shuttle metaphor. And it's mainly focused on this tendency to do the IT gold plating. I'd like to give you my second metaphor that I use. And this is more concrete, I think, in terms of a visualization. The request is to build a road. If someone comes to you, you're in the business of road building. A customer comes to you and says, I want a road built. There are a number of ways that you can go about building a road. What is going to be the best way to build a road for any customer? Any customer that requests the building of a road is going to want that road delivered to them as inexpensively as possible, as high quality as possible, and as quickly as possible, right? Those are the three elements in the program management triangle. Cost, quality, and time. These are the things that our customer is going to look for. If my customer wants a road built, the first thing I'm going to do, and I need to deliver this road to them incrementally, okay? They want something quickly. So what I'm going to do quickly is build them the simplest road that I can. Maybe that first road is a simple dirt or rock-laden trail road that people can pass over, vehicles can pass over, etc., maybe i find along the way of building this road that there are ditches, creeks, roads, other things that i have to deal with and so therefore along the way i might have to build something a little more technical, a little a, a little more advanced than a simple dirt trail and i'll build those things as i have to to deliver the first version my first incarnation of the road requested by my user. But I'm not going to build anything more than that the first time. And then I'm going to take that back to my customer and say, are you satisfied based on the cost of this simple trail, this simple road? Are you satisfied that this is enough? And if my customer says, yes, that's enough, then great. We're all happy. I'm paid for the simple dirt trail that I've built. And the customer's happy because they've quickly received a road and they've received a quality road in a short amount of to a relatively short amount of time. Now if I had taken the approach of building a great concrete fancy piece of road at the beginning but never delivered a completed road in the same amount of time, let's say it took me 4 weeks to build my first in- initial simple road, I could have spent the same 4 weeks building a very fancy concrete with rebar and side rails and guardrails and center dividers and painted stripes on the roadway. And then after that same four weeks, gone back to my customer and said, are you happy with this quarter of a mile or the quarter of the road that I've built for you? And the customer might look at that and say, well, yeah, that's fancy and great and I love the guardrails, but we're just going to be walking on this road and didn't need to have these stripes and these guardrails, but it looks really great and you did really good on the quarter of it, but I really wanted a whole road, and but I only have one quarter of the road that I need it. In that same four week time, maybe at that same cost, I've built a really, really great partial piece of the overall road that my customer needs, but I haven't delivered the entire road. My customer can't use that road. Well, they can use that bit of the road, but it's not, it's not, that road is not going to take them where they need to go, and therefore it's not really usable, For them, they're not just going to want to travel only a quarter of their distance. So, this takes us back to the concept of slicing stories and delivering, again, the simplest thing that can work and a functional, fully functional, or nearly fully functional deliverable to our customer. When we talk more about slicing stories, you're going to see why this metaphor is very important because one of the key concepts and one of the key factors when you're slicing up stories is to make sure that you're delivering nearly full-featured functionality to your customer quickly and then iterating on that functionality and adding in the features. If after we delivered our road to our customer, they said, okay, now we do need guardrails. We can go back and we can put guardrails in. If our customer says, Your rock-laden road is good, but I need to be able to travel at higher speeds over that road. Now we can go back and put in pavement and put in the concrete to allow them to travel more quickly on the road. So we're able to layer in additional features and functionality on that base foundation that we've built with our rock-laden trail. Okay, now on to the third and final metaphor. This metaphor is definitely not mine. This one comes, from, comes to us from Spotify. I recently saw some slides from a presentation that a person from Spotify was giving. And the presentation was talking about how Spotify goes about building a product. This metaphor is very similar to the one that I just gave you about building the road. There are a number of... Nice correlations to the road building metaphor. And this is just another way to go about explaining to people on your team, people that you're working with, why it's important to incrementally build a product. And that's really what this is all about. This conversation of story slicing is about, is really all about incrementally building a product. The Spotify metaphor, which I'll have a link to, of course, in the show notes and you'll be able to see the image in the video training that I'll provide from this podcast, shows two examples of how you can approach building a product. In both examples, the end product intended is a vehicle of some sort, a means of conveyance. So again, you see here a correlation to the road. This is a a vehicle now that's going to be traveling, of course, on some sort of a road. If you were to receive the requirements or have a discussion from a product owner about what they want, that product owner may very well say, I want a vehicle that I can use to travel from one location to another location. It's the whole purpose of a vehicle, traveling from one location to another. Very straightforward. In this metaphor, in this example, in this image, in these two examples, you'll see that there are two pathways for building this vehicle that will transport someone from one location to another. The first example starts off with building a single tire, and then a second tire, and then a frame to support the tires, and then finally a body and an engine to make what looks like a car the final product. The delivery of that vehicle based on what our product owner asked for, was one tire, then two tires with a frame, then a co- a, a, the frame plus a body, and then the frame plus an engine and a steering wheel. That's one way you could go about building a vehicle. However, not until that fourth incarnation of what you are building Can your customer, can your users, can your product owner test drive what you've built? And the second way to do it is that in the first iteration, you build a very simple skateboard. Not a lot of steering, not a lot of horsepower. It's very difficult to steer and navigate, and it certainly would not be able to take you very long distances, but it is something that can get you started. You're going to need a lot of maybe help to steer initially, uh, but it's something that you can start with. It's something that you can use. You can then, as the owner, the customer, give feedback on that skateboard and say, you know what i I need a better way to steer this and some way to help steady me as I'm driving this skateboard vehicle. So our next incarnation of the skateboard vehicle. We'll put a stick and a steering wheel onto it so that you can hold on to better balance yourself and then better steer where, where it is you're going with your skateboard. Our third incarnation, after receiving more feedback, is, well, I can't get very far. Uh, it's hard to propel this vehicle. And I get tired of standing. So the next incarnation is that of a bicycle. We'll now put somewhat of a motor in there with self-propulsion in the terms of the crank and the pedals and and the chain and the sprockets. We'll put a seat on there. We'll, we've got the bigger wheels. We've now got a handlebar to hold on to. And we've taken more of the user's feedback again and evolved our product. Now our users come back again and say, this is great, but I get real tired Uh, from having to self-propel the vehicle. So now we'll take our product and we'll add in an engine. And we've built now a motorcycle. And then finally, our user says, I want to be able to transport more people. I want to be able to have a safer experience. Can you you do some other things? And yes, of course, now we arrive at finally the vehicle that our product owner and customers want it which is this car with many seats in it and safety features, etc. However, what, what I want to point out here is that all along this journey and this process of building this vehicle and this product for our users, we've given them something usable, something that's functional, something that they can test drive and then provide us the feedback on. That's what's key in story splitting. That's what's key in taking this approach is to get out working software, get back feedback, and then iterate on that feedback to deliver the best product for the users. At almost any given point in this process, our users, our customers, our product owner could have said, that's good enough for me. I can stop at the scooter. I can stop at the motorcycle. That's enough. And then we've built them just enough for what they need. They've spent just enough money. To get what they need. We haven't done a lot of gold plating to the system. We haven't spent time building the greatest vehicle tire and wheel assembly in the history of mankind and then had no way to use that vehicle wheel tire assembly because we don't have the rest of the vehicle. We've incrementally built functionality and features for our users in a way that they continually Use them and provide us feedback, which is the key in all of this. Those are my three metaphors. Please feel free to use them. I certainly have co opted a number of them from other conversations and discussions that I've had in the past. I'd encourage you to do the same. Now I'd like to begin talking about how you actually go through the process of breaking the stories down. Here's what I see commonly happening on a team. The first time, That I engage with a team and say, This is a story, it's too big, we need to break it down. What everyone, almost without exception, goes to is okay, let's break it down into the user interface, the controller, middle section, and the UI, the back end, and the database, or some other back end stuff. They break it down into that three tier. Architecture that three-tier approach, model view controller, model view presenter. That's almost without exception what every team immediately goes to. If you're on a team where there's, you, you will almost certainly have this exact same experience. People inherently think about software in terms of the layers of the architecture, the layers of the infrastructure that they're dealing with. They see those, as the component pieces of what they're building, and then they immediately believe that they should break everything down at the component level, at these component layers. I think and have coached and believe and see evidence that that's the wrong way to do it. I know that it's natural. I know that it's what people have done since probably the beginning of software development, but I'm here to tell you that that's That natural feeling thing is the wrong thing to do, as we've seen in the three metaphors that I've previously given you. People will regularly want to break things down, as I've said, into that client, into that server side, into the database side, onto a middleware side. So we need to offer advice and suggestions and alternative approaches that will help our teams, help the people that we are working with, help the people that we are coaching, that there's a better way, show them that there's a better way to do that, that there's a better way to do this, that there's a new, more natural way to do this. And I'm going to walk us through now an example, situation, what you may consider a semi-real-life example of a situation that we can use and demonstrate to others, and show them that there are other better ways to go about splitting, slicing, and breaking down stories. Here is the feature that we're going to be dealing with. Maybe this comes to you as a new story, or maybe it does come to you as a feature. Let's, for the sake of argument, assume that this has come in as a single story that someone has captured in our story, uh, story management system. Here's what it is. As the buyer of your product, I want to register my purchase so that I can receive updates to the product and information about new products similar to the one that I purchased. This is a very typical format for a user story. I'm sure many of you are using this as a person. I want to do something so that I will extract some sort of value from the system. That's the general tenor and cadence to stories. And uh, it contains all three very important parts. The who's going to be interacting with the system, the what they want to get out of the system, and why they want to get that out of the system. Okay, that's our foundation for our example. We've got some additional requests that the product owner is planning to give us once we start to deliver and show him that we're making progress on this. This is going to be that feedback that we get from the users and from our product owner as we continuously deliver working software. Step one in the approach for breaking this down is to create a first story that will establish a minimal beachhead or foothold or presence on each island of technology that you have. We've talked in the past for starting up a new project of creating what could be called a walking skeleton or what we call the walking skeleton, what has been called a walking skeleton. And a walking skeleton at a system level does a lot of the same things. It establishes a small island or small beachhead on each island of technology that you're that you're building onto. This is very similar you're going to touch all parts of what it is you need to use to build this particular feature. I like to use when I'm discussing this approach, this is where I like to go to the metaphor of building the dirt trail or the rock laden road. That's going to that that road, that dirt trail that we build goes from the starting point to the ending point. And therefore We've touched every bit of the path along the way from the beginning to the end that we need to touch to deliver the final road to our user. And therefore, if there's a difficulty, if there's a problem from the beginning to the end, we'll come across it. If there's a creek that we have to cross, if there's some sort of chasm that needs to be solved with a particular piece of technology We're going to have to address that and solve that just to build our very first attempt, our very minimal solution for this story is going to require us to solve all of those problems. In the example of the road, we maybe have to build this bridge to build just the minimal minimal solution to go from point A to point B. So that could be difficult. We may have to... Uh, use advanced technology, etc. to accomplish what's going to be our first minimal attempt at that story. This will help us learn a whole lot about the how for implementing the story. We may discover that we need to store information in a database. We certainly know that from the original request that we're going to have to be able to send out email and receive information from purchaser of the product. So there's all of these things that have to be built as part of this initial process of building that first story. We may discover along that path that we have to go through a really long approval process to get a database provisioned or to stand up our first web application container for our project. You may be thinking to yourself at this point that this is going to be a story that's larger than half a day to a day. That's possible. It could take slightly longer. But I think that we will see that by taking maybe an extra half of a day or a day to complete this first story is going to lay that foundation for us that will allow us to quickly layer in additional functionality throughout the, the rest of the development effort for this particular story are for this particular feature, depending on what you consider stories and what you consider features. Okay, then we're going to write our very first story so that we will collect a name, an email address, persist the data, and then send an email to acknowledge the receipt of the registration. That's way less than what, ultimately, the product owner really wants, and way less than what the strict letter of the feature, the original story said. The story wants a lot more than that, right? The story wants this registration of the purchase, and certainly there's much more information that our customers want and that the buyer of the product wants to give us, in this case, so that we can send them additional information about other products similar to this one, simply providing us with a name and an email address is enough for us to send an email and to say, hi, John, here's some information, but it's not enough uh, to totally accomplish the goals of being able to send you information about similar products. But this first story establishes our ability to take in data, it establishes our ability to persist that data, and it establishes our ability to, to send out an email to our users based on that data. It cuts across every layer of the application infrastructure and architecture that we're going to need to touch on to deliver this feature. We have to have some sort of interface to collect the data. We have to persist that data somewhere, and then we may have to make sure that we have the ability to send an email from that system to the user. So it gives us the ability to touch on all of those layers of the application architecture, and to make sure that they're there, that they're in place, that we can interact with them, and that we are able to use them as part of this story and as part of this feature. And that's a big, important thing. We can go and take that, we can show that to our product owner, and we can get feedback. It's workable We can have an email sent to the product owner and they can see what the email looks like. Certainly, it's a very simple email that just says, hello, Joe, here's your email. And now we can start to get feedback. We need to collect other information. Okay, great. What other information do you want to collect? We'll write that as another story. We'll then collect. We'll go ahead and do the work to collect that that information. Now the product owner says that he wants us to be able to take the information about the product that the buyer purchased and associate that to a catalog of other products. And this catalog of other products will tell us what the associated products are and suggest to us what other products our buyer may be interested in. And then that allows us to send the emails. And then our product owner wants us to guarantee success of the registration. So we put some architectural and infrastructure pieces in place to help ensure that we always get a successful registration regardless of if the database is down, etc. So now we're starting to layer in this functionality, always layering it in, always delivering that next layer of functionality to our user and showing them and collecting the, the all-important feedback from those users. As we're layering this in, it's not taking us a whole lot of time to add these additional layers in. We've established that minimal amount of beachhead in each area of the application architecture, so it's really pretty straightforward for us to go through and add additional fields to the database and to the user interface so we can collect more information. It's relatively easy for us to add in the ability to guarantee the success of the registration. Through the implementation of technologies and queue-based solutions, and I don't want to go into a lot of the the technical details of how to implement these because that's the you know those are what we call the implementation details. But I want what I want to really focus on is this ability to layer functionality in. As we've been building these layers for our product owner and for our customer and for our users, every layer that we've delivered, is usable. Going back to the Spotify metaphor with the skateboard, scooter, bicycle, motorcycle, and the car. We've built this product registration page in the same manner. We've built a very simple skateboard solution. It had wheels. It had, it had a way to stand on it. Our product registration had the same things. It had the same basic elements that we had to have to satisfy the strict letter of what the story, what the feature was intended to do. We delivered, in the first story, a functional solution. It was not the ideal solution. It was not certainly something that you would want to release to production, possibly. But it's a solution nonetheless, and it's one that we can then... Start to layer in additional functionality on top of based on additional feedback and additional stories and additional guidance that we receive. And then our product owner starts to layer that functionality in and tells us he wants to be able to collect more data. So then we bump our skateboard from skateboard up to scooter by being able to collect that additional data. As we continue the layers, We take that scooter to a bicycle, we take that scooter to a motorcycle, and ultimately we deliver the final product. At some point along that path, our product owner says, that's enough. You've done enough work. This is fully functional. We can go forward with it as it is. And everyone is happy. It's a happy ending to our fairy tale story of splitting features and splitting stories because we've taken a minimal upfront approach. We've collected feedback from all of our users. We've incorporated that feedback, and we've done it in a timely manner. We've delivered it with a high level of quality because we've ensured the quality by collecting feedback, by getting it in front of our users, correcting problems along the way, and we've given them the product that they want, the price that they need it, the product owner was able to say stop when what he had was good enough and that was an efficient use of the money, the resources that have been established for that project, for that particular story, those resources being the dollars that you spend on that particular feature or story, not people, right? And, and we've satisfied all three sides of that project triangle, quality, time, and money. We've given our product owner a lot of flexibility to make changes along the way, and we've constantly delivered something that's working so that if any given time they need to stop, switch gears, and work on something else, we have functional software rather than, back to the Spotify metaphor again of the wrong way to do it, rather than just having a tire, just two tires. and Okay, great, you built two tires, but now I need you to stop and work on something else. Nobody can really use those two tires. This brings me to the end of my explanation of splitting stories, splitting features, splitting, breaking down stories. I hope that you've enjoyed this uh, training slash podcast episode. I hope that you will share this with the folks that you work with and your friends and coworkers. Look forward to more of these in the future. I'm planning to try and create a series of these over the next six or eight months and interject them periodically into the normal flow of the podcast. And I'd love to get your feedback on this episode and love to get your feedback on any of the things that we do here at This Agile Life. So please visit the website, check us out at thisagilelife.com for these show notes, for this training, for all of our past episodes. And thanks for listening and keep living This Agile Life. This Agile Life is brought to you by a community of Agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.